Amen. I'm going to invite you guys to take your seats at this time where we're going to have our morning storytelling. And if you're new here, this is something we do here at Evergreen. It's a chance when we get to hear from you guys, the congregation, um, a little bit about yourselves and your story. And today we're going to be hearing from Lesty. So Lesty, would you come on up and maybe give her a round of applause for sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Lesty. Good morning, brother and sister. Before I want to say sorry if my pronunciation is not too good. My name is Lesti Norayati, and I come from Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world. As the U.S. has 50 states, Indonesia has 37 provinces, each with its own culture, customs, dialect, traditional clothing, diets, and dance. While there are close to 700 dialects, the official national language is Indonesian. My parents are from a small towns in the island province in Sumatra, which is predominantly is Christian. I'm the eldest of eight siblings. This is uh, me and my moms and my two younger brothers and two younger sisters. Two of my brothers die at very young age and two of my sisters are under special care due to high fevers in their childhood. So now if they are uh, 36 and 38 years old, my younger sister, but they are still like eight and 10 years old, their, men, uh, their mentality. My father died in 2009. This is my father, my first younger brother, and my two younger sisters. After nearly a year's battle with colon cancer. My mother is 60 years old now, and living with my two sisters and my 10 years old niece, whose mother left her when she was six. I have four niece and two nephew, and my first niece still Muslim. This is my prayer one day he will receive and accept Jesus for her savior. I believe one day God way. With God's grace and the support of my parents and siblings, I was able to earn a Bachelor of Business Administration from the Adventist University of Indonesia in May 1998. I'm the number four from the uh, left side. One, two, three, four. The small. <laughs> then I worked nearly 15 years in hospitality for several four and five star hotel in Jakarta. Starting from administration staff, customer service, secretary, and lastly, almost nine years as senior marketing professional in the Lame Meridian Hotel Jakarta. Then 
I decided to start my own travel agency, something I had prayed for a long time. It ran well for four years until the end of 2014 when it experienced huge financial problems due to a deceptive client. As a result, I have to lose my house and car and borrow money from the bank to finance the my agency operation before finally I decided to sell it. In that lowest point of my life when I was helpless, I came to Jesus and surrendered my life to him. I believe God doesn't design accidents, but a plan of peace and hope for the future, like God's word said in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of this will be added to you. Then in my prayers and fasting, God spoke to me to go to America. At the time, I didn't know how, but was reminded me by the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Leave all your worries to him because he cares for you. This convinced me to walk with faith and beliefs that God will open a door. After process of several years, finally, God led me here. I actually never thought of coming to Mercer Island because I first landed in California where I worked to take care of a resident of the Island House Nursing Home, Mercer Island, an 84-year-old man who had a stroke. This is my clients and two elders. He is a Mormon and was, and was once a bishop in the Mormon church. Some of my friends warned me against going to the Mormon church, but accompanying my client is part of my job. I only pray that God will lead me himself as I used to live for a long time among Seventh-day Adventists and Muslims. I believe God wants me to be a witness for his glory. During the first six months, my client tried very hard to comfort me. Every week, two elders from his church would come to evangelize their beliefs and leave me books to read. Even Mormon, more, book of Mormon also, with Indonesian language, they give it to me. As time went on, my client felt God's love in me when I took care of him. Often he would say with tears in his eyes, 
how grateful he was that God sent me to care for him. This really touched, my, touched me, and I can only praise God because he enabled me to do so. I take care of my client as I took care of my father before he passed away. His children also really appreciate my work and treat me like a family. My client also said frequently that he was very blessed with the testimony that I share with him in his spare time. How incredible God is my life journey. He even attended Evergreen Church service once with his daughter-in-law at which time Pastor Bud preached about Samson and Delilah. He was very touched by the sermon. And the following Sunday, his daughter-in-law witnessed at the Mormon church and saying how blessed they were worshiping in Evergreen Church. Now, every time the elders from the Mormon church came to evangelize me, my client would say, before you speak, I want you to listen to her testimony first. Then I would ask them to read the first of John chapter 14, verse 6, and Hebrew chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. I never argue, but only pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to them. Several times, I even told the bishop that would love to share my testimony in their church. I pray that it got times this too would happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, The eye has not seen, and the ear not heard, neither mind has conferred all the God has provided, for those who love him. This is being fulfilled in my life. Thank you for listening to my story. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I will be reading first 8 to 9 and 30 to 31 from chapter 31 in the New International Version. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her fall that her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Thank you.
Just want to extend to Lesti a deep appreciation for your storytelling this morning and a powerful word from God. Thank you for that word today, Lesti. I recently started a reading a book called The Active Life by Parker Palmer. In the beginning, he, um, he writes about how he only writes from a position of where he also is a learner, that he never writes from a position of something that he has mastered. He says once he has mastered something, he puts it behind him, and it doesn't give him the drive he needs to write a book. But is that that which he is working on that gives him the passion that he needs and the understanding in order to author a book? I think this is true for me as well in preaching. Often I think God calls the preacher to a certain passage, not so much for how it can change the congregation, but how it can challenge the preacher. So I invite you to come along with me in my week of conviction with the Lord. And a challenge we do have today because we are presented with the perfect person at the end of Proverbs. Most notably, the virtuous woman. It was by design I spared us from hearing of all of the amazing things she accomplishes in the day. When I consider it a victory to fold and put my laundry away, this woman cloaks me in shame. She not only is the picture of domesticity, she also is the image of business acumen and entrepreneurship. Her husband and her children praise her for all that she can do. In researching this passage, I learned a great deal of the guilt and expectation put on women throughout the years with this Bible reading. The text is often preached on Mother's Day and spoken over women as they are about to get married. In a society that has a rap sheet about a mile long of its poor treatment of women and high expectations for their performance, it doesn't help when the church piles it on. And unfortunately, is it, a, it is a misunderstanding of the text itself. For to surmise that this scripture is about some ideal wife or only to be understood as an expectation for women is a gross misunderstanding. There is scholarly debate over whether this is intended to be just a picture of what the ideal person is or if it was actually intended to be personification of wisdom itself. I tend to agree with the latter. It would be suiting for the book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom literature, to conclude with how wisdom is lived out. There is a great deal to unpack in our scripture passage this morning, but I, this, today I would like to focus in on a few key verses. The first is the passage starts with King Lemuel. There is actually no historical account of this king, nor is he ever mentioned again in the Bible. It is surmised then that he is either a fictitious character or the writer was using a pseudonym for King Solomon. The humor is that the word Lemuel in Hebrew is translated to foolish one essentially, the foolish king. It is fitting today that we would be talking about the foolish king when it is Christ the King Sunday. 
As Katie mentioned earlier in the service, this is the last day of the church calendar year. And next week, we begin anew with Advent. Christ the King Sunday was inaugurated in the 1920s as a way of bringing Christ back into the world that seemed to have turned their back on Christ's authority and reign over all creation. This seems to be the time-old tale of humanity. It even, we see it even in the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. For original sin is not eating an apple, but of wanting to rule their own lives. Adam and Eve no longer wanted to follow God's instructions, but chose for themselves what was best. Is this not so far off from where we are today? God directs us to do many things, and frequently you will find Christians picking and choosing the commands they want to follow. It is my understanding that King Lemuel is us. We are the foolish ones, wanting to direct our own steps and perhaps too confident in how we think the world works. The opening of Proverbs 31 has King Lemuel's mother giving him instructions on his kingship. And she gives him this advice. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. This call to the margins of our society is woven throughout the Old and the New Testament. And sadly, God's words often fall on deaf ears. This week in our confirmation class, we studied the parables. As I was preparing the lesson, I read Jesus' parable in Luke 14 about the banquet in the kingdom. The parable states that at the time of the banquet, the host sends his servant out to tell those who are invited that all is ready. But all who were invited made excuses of why they could not attend. The busyness of their lives kept them from the banquet. So the host sends his servant out into the streets and the alleys of the town, bringing the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame to his party. He fills his home with the outcasts of society. And the parable ends with this. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste of my banquet. Are we the ones too busy for God? Do we fill our days with our own priorities, our own desires, and live out our lives to our own plan and our own enjoyment, and put God's requests on the back burner for when we have more time? Do we actually believe that Jesus' way leads to the flourishing of humanity? Or are we skeptical of this plan? Is Christ the ruler of your life? Or has he become a servant in your kingdom where you make your requests of him when you have a need? One of my all-time favorite authors is Henry Nouwen. He was a Catholic priest, a professor, and a caregiver. He spoke honestly about faith, 
and spirituality, and I find within his books life. I was first introduced to him in a religious class I took in my undergrad. My professor talked about Nowen's career, transitioning from being a professor at Harvard and Yale Divinity Schools to being a caregiver in a large community. These are communities of homes where people with mental disabilities live. Nowen was a caregiver for a man named Adam. He said he learned more from his time with Adam than he ever did in academia. Adam deepened Nowen's faith and trust in God and opened him up to new understandings. He said, while at first it seemed quite obvious who was handicapped and who was not, living together day in and day out made the boundaries less clear. Yes, Adam and Rosie and Michael couldn't speak, but I spoke too much. Yes, Adam and Michael couldn't walk, but I was running around as if there was one emergency to the next. Yes, John and Roy needed help with daily tasks, but I too was constantly saying, help me, help me. And when I had the courage to look deeper, to face my emotional neediness, my inability to pray, my impatience and restlessness, my anxieties and fears, the word handicap took on a whole new meaning. The fact that my handicaps were less visible than Adam and his housemates didn't make them less real. <clears throat> Nowen went on to say in his book that he wrote specifically for Adam, here is a man more than anyone who here is the man more than anyone connected me to my inner self, my community and my God. Here is the man I was asked to care for, but who took me into his life and into his heart in such an incredibly deep way. Adam was my teacher, my friend, and my guide. He was the one who more than any book or professor led me to the person of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the world views God's wisdom as foolishness, and to us it would seem that way, that a tenured professor at an Ivy League university would quit his job so that he would care for somebody with mental disabilities doesn't compute. But Nowen is an example of wisdom someone who truly let Christ rule over their lives. He lived out his days guided by a wisdom greater than this world, and it led to his own flourishing and the flourishing of those around him. As one commentator on our scripture put it, fear of the Lord is the only way to reach one's true potential. Our passage reads, the husband of wisdom has full confidence in her, and she brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. This is true when we surrender our lives to the reign of Christ, for the wisdom of God leads to human flourishing. We can have full confidence in that, that God's desire is to bring us good and not harm all the days of our lives.
But as a Christian soon learns that the way of flourishing looks different than this world. As the passage ends, it reminds us, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Time and time again, I find myself needing to surrender my life into the hands of Christ. I am tempted to believe what this world is selling, but it only leads me wanting more and coming up short. But each time I have leaned into God's guiding, each time I have given over my desire to, to God to control and allowed God to work, I have tasted the coming kingdom of God. I have experienced a fulfillment that is sustaining. For when I walk in wisdom, I see a life worth living. May the virtuous woman be an inspiration to all of us to fear the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And may, let, and may we let Christ be king to seek to serve in his kingdom. May we open ourselves up to what God has in store for us. Today, rather than seeking what God can do for us, let us seek what we can do for God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and holy one, praise be to you, the King of glory. We thank you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ, for the example he was to us, for what it looks like to truly be a king, to walk in humility, to serve, and to love. We pray, O holy God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to offer over to you our lives. And in so doing, God, we would see the world around us flourish. We pray for the strength and the courage to do so. Add to us the gift of faith, that we would see a world that is in need, and we would desire to be the hands and feet of Christ and to serve you, our everlasting King, now and forever. Amen.